Jordan Assembly of God, Sunday, August 26, 2012, Pastor Greg Wolf, title of the sermon, God, Do I Trust Him or Not? Part 1. We've been going through a stage of fearing God. We've been talking about what it means to fear God. We've been talking about what it means to have the Holy Spirit move. And a lot of that is, is trust. Um... You have to trust in God in order to really, truly understand where he's going. Understand and and be able to go where he wants you to go. You have to be willing to allow him. And you say, I trust in God. Well, we talked about in Sunday school about sometimes making it more important to look like you're trusting God than really doing it. Sometimes the presentation or the perception is more important than the actual doing. Okay, sometimes we put greater greater emphasis on what people see than what we really truly feel in our hearts. Okay, it's very important. Trust is a pretty easy thing as long as the other person does not prove untrustworthy. Isn't that right? I mean, haven't you ever, you you meet somebody for the very first time and you have a common level of trust with that other person. Just, just, I mean, you, you expect them to be trustworthy in some way, shape, or form. You know, you have, you're kind of like middle of the road. This trust is based, however, on your own moral code, what you feel is right and wrong. The problem is that may not be the same on the other end. His view of what's right and wrong may not always be the same as your view of what's right and wrong, and that's where differences happen. Trust in the dictionary is defined as assured reliance upon one or more thing of that person. For instance, I'm a computer technician. I have um, many years of experience. (laughs) I've worked in the professional community for, for many, many years before coming here. And so... I have, when I go in there, I have a certain trust level that I can build up just through proof. I have years of experience, I have certifications, and I have stuff that can prove my trustworthiness in what I know on a computer. People can question me all they want, I know what I know, and I'm okay with it. So trust in an assured reliance upon, that can also go on, on, on the other way. If a person has, has been determined to be untrustworthy, you're assured reliance upon that fact that that person is not trustworthy. You cannot trust them. And so you always view them as either untrustworthy or trustworthy, either which way. Another definition, a confidence is placed upon, or a dependence, a charge or a duty as a condition of some relationship, as a condition. Trust. Have you ever heard the statements of, I will trust you, God, if you will bring me through this? I will believe you, God, if you will do this for me. If only you would bring me through this, God, then I will trust you more. We're looking at God as if he's untrustworthy, trying him to convince us that we need to trust him. 
I don't know if you've ever been through that in your life, but I know I have. Going through a certain situation, you just want to be brought through it. It's a really hard situation, and you're just being honest, and you just say, God, um, if you only get me through this to trust you. Is that right? No, it's not right, but it's, it's what it was. Then what about this? What about those times when God seems to just not be there? Or if he is, not care. What about those times? What about real times? Oh, but God is always there. Yeah, I know God is always there, and that's what we always say. However, do um, we always truly, truly, really count on it and trust it? Yeah, I do all the time, Greg. No problem. I know exactly what that is. Really? How about in arguments? When people start pointing at one another, then I'll really know I hit something. <laughs> what about frustrations? What about when you're frustrated with somebody or something happens at work or your job or you're out on the field or you're out on the ranch? What about frustrations? What about those times? What about accidents? What about a car wreck? What about deaths? Oh, sure, you know, deaths. What about the person that you've been praying for weeks and weeks and weeks or months and months and months for and they still pass on? What about that? What about deep loss? What about unfair treatment? You're treated unfairly. Even in the world's eyes, you're treated unfairly. What about those times? What about disasters? Hurricanes? Is God trustworthy then? See, these are the things that we need to realize. And then there's always the question, why do bad things happen to good people? These are questions that even Christians, non-Christians have this all the time, but even Christians bring up all the time. Why do bad things happen to good people? This is something that is avoided in conversations. This is something that you kind of try to avoid because you really don't know how to answer And somehow, in the scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, it speaks on this, and it speaks that God reigns, allows the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, and allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. It happens to both of them. I want to make sure I have my, my, if I recited it correctly here. Just make sure I'm actually doing it. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And that, unfortunately, is very little consolation when you're actually in the middle of trouble. 
Does the scripture always help? Yes, it does. Does it, pardon me, does it always give hope? Does it always give encouragement? Yes, it does. However, when you are in the midst of a problem, when you are battling and you're wondering why something happened in your life, you're, you're there. It's very easy to stand out and say, well, you just need to trust God. But when you're right in the smack dab in the middle of pain and anger and frustrations, when you are there, that's where, that's where, that's where trust in God is so very important. But unfortunately, what we have a tendency to do is to treat Him as if He is untrustworthy And try to take care of it ourselves. I'm just talking a reality here. I'm just talking what reality hits. When reality hits, when the rubber meets the road, what do you do when something happens? Why do bad things happen to good people? And then we realize... That if God is in control of everything, why did he let that happen? Another question. We ask several questions. Why did it happen? What are you doing up there? How can you be God? There's a question for you. A question has happened to more than one Christian. When are you going to actually show that you care? These are real questions put real questions put by real people, Christian and non-Christian alike. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they've never even spoken with God before. These questions hit. When you're in the midst of the foxhole and everything is going wrong around you, these are the questions that hit. Here are some facts. God put the tree in the garden. We chose to have good and evil have dominion. No, Adam and Eve did that, Greg. What are you talking about? I wasn't even there. We need to stop blaming as Adam did to Eve and as Eve did to Satan. Every time that we choose to trust in ourselves before trusting in God, we take a bite of that apple. I say that again. Every time we put trust in ourselves and putting trusting in God, we take a bite of that apple right along with Adam and Eve, no matter what. When we have just as much guilt as Adam and Eve did then, we cannot point at Adam and Eve and say, they're guilty. The first thing that we need to do is be able to accept our responsibility for who we are and what's going on. And the truth of the matter is, is that we as a human race created by God chose to have good and evil have dominion in here. Now those two words, good and evil, it means the greatest good. That word good means the greatest good that can ever happen ever. And in the exact proportion to that, the word evil is the greatest evil that can ever happen.
So where you have good rising up, evil is going to come up and meet it. When Jesus was born, children died. Evil rose up to try and make it nothing. Jesus was the greatest good that could ever be given to mankind, but in the midst of that, evil rose up and tried to defeat it. What is that statement? How can um, evil succeed if it, it only takes just one person not standing up for the truth? Something to that effect. I know it's not the correct and proper statement. For evil to succeed, all people have to do is not stand for the truth. God can do great things but we make and made choices that are not based on Him and then we cry out to Him and complain when it doesn't work out. Or, in retrospect, we cry out to God and say, God, I want this particular thing to happen when we know it's not the right thing, but it makes us feel good or it makes, it's, it makes life better or we think it's the right way. So we pray that God will make this thing happen, but it's not right. It's not what God says. It even disagrees with what Scripture says and because it does, then we get mad at God because what we prayed for didn't happen. Or if it does happen, it happens horribly and it goes into failure and then we blame God for that. If God did everything around, if He fixed everything that was wrong, He would effectively take away our freedom to choose. Because there would be no other choice. Well, duh, why don't you would go to the person that was fixing everything? Jesus found that out and was followed by 5,000 people. And when 5,000 people were actually following him, he basically turned to them and said, you're not, you're not following me because you love me. You're following me because of what I do. That's all you're doing. I want you to love me. I want you to care about me. God wants to be loved not for what he has done or will do. That is a conditional love. He wants to be loved whether he does something or not do anything. God needs to be loved whether or not He does something in your life or does nothing in your life. But because you just want to be around Him. And at the very end there, God did not betray our trust, but we do every day. Then blame Him for when things do not work out. Let's turn with Matthew chapter 7. Twenty-four through twenty-seven. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. We need to understand something. 
in life, the rains do come. The floods do hit. The wind does blow. Our trust in God and that firm foundation is the only thing that keeps us from falling. Our belief in God and that trust. Those questions are real questions. This is a, the first part of at least a three-part total thing that we're going to be going through over the next several weeks. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things in this. This is your preparation. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the times that you thought about these questions. I want you to weigh that in your mind. I want you to be real with yourself. I want you to be real with God. I want you to realize that life does hit, life does do it, but we have to realize that God is good. Period. What is the answer when bad things happen? God is good. Do you, will you understand it? No, you will not. I will say this. When we lost our first child, when we lost that child, I still do not understand or know why. But yet I'm standing up here telling you God is good. Did I feel like he was good when I was going through it? No. Okay? Reality needs to meet our Christian life. And when reality hits... It's our trust in God that gets tested. And when reality hits, God says, do you trust me? But God, what about all these things? What about the people that are dying from cancer that I prayed for? What about the, per- the person that is healed in one, uh, you know, I pray for a guy with cancer, one body gets healed, but I pray for another person with cancer and they don't get healed. What about that? What about all the people? What about the kid that is about ready to graduate and gets into a car wreck one week from actually graduation and they, they pass on? What about that? When life hits, where do you put your trust? Or do you take a bite of the apple? That apple is really tempting when you want to try and fix something. When you want you, you want to take care of it. Because you feel that God in some way is untrustworthy. Greg, I didn't say he was untrustworthy, but your actions speak louder than words. It's your actions, not what people perceive. Perception is an awful thing. It is something that is in every job that I know of is perceived. Are they working? I don't know. They look like they're working. In ODOT, the thing that it was, if you were going to the restroom or coming back, it was better to have a clipboard so you gave off the perception that you were actually doing something important. Don't get caught up in the perception of Christianity. Christianity has nothing to do with perception. Christianity is when you're in your heart and you're walking the walk and when something hits, a person comes up to you and says, puts his finger right in your chest and says, why in the world did God let my child or my person die? How are you going to respond? 
Like I said, it's something that is avoided in Christian conversations because the answer that we have is a trust and a belief in God is good. That's all we have. We believe in that. Do you believe in that soul? solely so that you will allow Him to be trustworthy. Where is your trust founded? Is it founded in what you can do or is it founded in what God can do? And I'm not asking for words. I'm asking you to look in the mirror and find out where your trust is. Because words mean nothing. Action means everything. Children can say they're sorry all the time, but what are we wanting from our children? For them to obey. Well, God's looking at us as little children. Doesn't matter how old we are, we can be 120, we still can't beat His age. He's looking at us and saying... When something hits in your life, are you going to trust me? Are you going to put everything, are you going to rely upon me? Are you going to build your foundation upon me? Because when the rain hits and your foundation gets rocked to the very core, are you going to still stand? And that's the important. You build on yourself, you're building on sand. You build on God, you build on something that's going to last forever, which is your choice. And I'm preaching to the I'm preaching to myself more than anything else. Really. I'm right here, right right along with you, and God's telling me, "Greg, do you trust me?" And I have to be honest, there's areas in my heart that God very much revealed that I did not. I'm just saying. We as the body of Christ, we say that we want to have the moving of the Holy Spirit. We say we want to have revival in the town. But when the rubber meets the road, are we willing to actually really truly deal with the things that God wants us? Sure, God wants revival in the town. Sure, God wants the Holy Holy Spirit to press on. But the more important thing that He wants than anything else is for you to trust in Him when anything happens. Whether it's a great day or whether it's a horrible day. Whether it's a day that you just don't know what's going on or whether it's a day where sail is good. Man, I'm telling you, you're in that boat and that wind is blowing and it is awesome. Are you going to trust Him? And the truth of the matter is is that every Christian life goes through trouble. If you haven't been through trouble, I'm praying for you even more. Because when that storm hits... You better be ready. In the next couple parts, we're going to be really delving into some of these questions and really dealing with what life is in the next couple Sundays. So I encourage you, if you can, make it. These sermons are actually being recorded. I have them on um, podcast as well as um, uh, as well as MP3s. So. And I can even get them onto CD. So if you want a CD, if you, for whatever reason, miss something, I can put one on a CD for you. I would encourage you, though, for whatever it is, I, I need you, like I asked last Sunday, 
a sermon is not about a good little talk and then you just take up and you go home and then you be the, the same old person. It's where you take the sermon and you go home and you really pray about it. You ask God about it and say, what is God wanting to tell you? This is not about other people. Okay? This is not about the person that you may think, wow, this sermon was really meant for so-and-so. Sermon is meant for everybody. Pray about it. Seek God. Get into that personal prayer time because that is the only way you're going to survive the waves hitting. I don't know about... I, I keep on looking at the political infrastructure. I keep on looking at things and I keep on looking at life and looking at finances and people and the fires and people going through. I'm going to tell you one thing. The only thing that you can do is to grasp onto God and cling tightly. I don't know when the wave is going to hit, but I know it will hit. I know that there is a reason and a purpose why God is calling the body of Christ to once again come into a personal relationship with Him so that we can walk in holiness, in righteousness, in His right, not our own, in His righteousness, in His holiness. Because we need to learn what it means to look at our life and be honest with ourselves. Don't try and cover up. Don't live a perceived good Christian life. Perceived good Christian life isn't what's going to get you through the gates of heaven. A heart that seeks and follows after God is what gets you through those, those, those gates. It has nothing to do with perception. People can see you as this per- perfectly wonderful person and whatever. doesn't matter. God looks at your heart and if your heart is dark... How great is that darkness? Okay. So I encourage you, if you can, make it next Sunday. I really would appreciate it. Like I said, at least we have another, at least two parts to this. Lord Jesus, I just, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you are doing. I want to thank you, Lord God, that we are approaching questions I want to thank you, God, that we are being called by you to serve you, to just listen to you, to not listen to the world, not listen to people talk, but listen to you, to understand the words that you are trying to say. And Lord God, I pray and I ask, Lord God, for your blessing. I pray for your forgiveness, Lord God. I pray for your grace and mercy. And Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you may bring us into a close relationship with you, Lord God. That when we walk, we walk by your strength, not by our own strength. That we learn to depend upon you greater than we depend upon ourselves. And that, Lord God, that you may just absolutely positively bless the people here. I pray, Lord God, we forgot to do this at the beginning. I pray for the travel, for traveling mercies for the family that is here, Lord God, from such a great distance. And I pray, Lord God, that you may, you may provide the care for their vehicle, Lord God, protect the people that are driving around them, Lord God. I pray that you may just bring them home safely. And all the others, like Al wanted, Lord God, I just pray and I ask for all the people traveling, Lord God. May we protect them, be with them. May they know that you love them, Lord God, I pray. Be with this town, bless this town. 
Lord God, may your grace and mercy be poured upon this town. I pray, Lord God, that you may bring this town to the knowledge of you. I pray, Lord God, that people who want to seek your face would fill the churches in this town. People who want to get to know you, Lord God, would fill. And when they walk out of those church buildings, Lord God, I pray that they may just want to hear your voice. That they can't wait to get up in the morning so that they can read your word and so that they can pray to you. So that they can get that personal relationship with you, Lord God. Or before going to bed. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Blessings upon these people, I pray. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.